This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Financial management. God's grace in financial management. And I want to be sure that... um, we understand, and I, yes, I want to be sure that there's no misunderstanding, let me say it that way, no misunderstanding about what I have been teaching. Um, it might seem a little uh, one-sided in the sense that I'm trying to get us to see that we can't trust in money, particularly, at the, what I've been talking about particularly is when we don't have Right, a lot of us we don't have, and we think that we don't have as much as you know we, we want, or as much as we think that we need, or whatever. Um, but I am not saying at all that God does not want us to have, and we're going to see that tonight. He is concerned about our needs. He's concerned about our needs. But I want us to also understand that having all of what you think that you want or having all that what you think that you you need in your mind, um, you can't trust in that either. And that's you, godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness. So this is what we're after. We're after godliness. And if you're seeking after godliness, doing things God's way, godliness, righteousness, seeking his righteousness, his character, seeking all of those things, then you can be at peace one way or the other. You can be at peace one way or the other. You can be content one way or the other, having or not having. You can be subject to the word of God. And that's, and that's really all that this talk is, is about, is being subject. No matter what financial situation you find yourself in, no matter uh, uh, what side of the bracket of income you find yourself in, or where in between you find yourself in, all of that does not matter when it comes to God, His holiness, His righteousness, and Him being able to take care of you. That's the whole, that's the whole, the gist of what we're talking about. But I don't want us to, so, so I want us to be balanced, okay? So we want to be sure that we are being balanced in all of these teachings. And hopefully, uh, and actually what, what we are going to be teaching tonight and, and what we're going to see in First Timothy, that should help bring it, that should help balance us on both ends. So we're, we're going to get to that. So we're talking about as believers, and you can turn to First Timothy uh, chapter 6 because we are going to go there. That's going to be our first scripture uh, as I just do a little bit of a review. But as believers, we must bring the flesh under subjection to the word of God in every area of our lives. We said that in our thoughts, in our appetites, in our discipline. We need to bring our flesh under subjection to the word of God in every area. And we know that we said we're talking about, we said every area, but we know that specifically in this teaching we're talking about with our finances, with our monies. And so we need to bring our flesh under subjection when it comes to that. We need to bring our flesh under subjection to the word of God in our thoughts, in our appetites, and in our discipline when it comes to the topic of our finances. 
And so we need to be sure that we're understanding that it's all about being uh, subjected to God's word. I don't care if you have five dollars. You need to be subjected to God's word and what and being sensitive to what he wants you to do with that five dollars. I don't care if you have fifty thousand dollars. You need to be subjected to the word and in tune with his spirit about how he wants you to handle that fifty thousand dollars. So uh, 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 whatever. So we just need to be sure that we are being balanced in all of that because again I said what, no matter what financial state you find yourself in God is able to keep you he's able to do what he wants to do through you even with that $5 or 50000 he can do through you what he wants to, th- to do through you no matter what so that is what we're trying to encourage you that's what we're trying to instill in us so I said, remember that as believers, we are striving to live God's word and do the things his way as citizens of the kingdom. We want to do things his way as citizens of the kingdom. We talked about bondage, right? What, what is bondage, particularly when it comes to money? And I have to add uh, things, a conversation that I had with Minister Martin. Bondage. We said that bondage is of the enemy and it is the way of the world. Bondage is of the enemy, and it is the way of the world. When, it's, when it's, we're talking about financial bondage, we talked about debt, putting yourself in debt so that you can have. We talked about loans. We talked about all of those things. We talked about uh, trusting in what your finance can do for in investments and all of that, trusting in those things. That's bondage. Poverty is also bondage, and we're going to see that. God is a God who meets needs. That's a part of his salvation plan. It's meeting the needs of people. Meeting the needs of people. So freedom is meeting the needs. So poverty, poverty is not being able, that's what poverty is, it's not being able to meet the basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter. That's poverty. Not being able to meet the needs, of to meet the basic needs of food, clothing, and shelter. That is of the enemy and it is the way of the world. And why do I say that? I say that because there are entities, I believe, I believe there are entities in this world and in this world system that's a part of this world system that don't mind people being in poverty. They, it don't, they don't mind. They do what they need to do to make what they want to make and what they consider they, they need to make and they don't consider anybody else. They're not considering the poverty line. They're not considering those who can't even meet basic needs. That's the way of the world. I'm going to get all I can. Don't worry about, I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm just concerned about me and mine. That's the way of the world. And that is from the enemy. And that is from the enemy. That's why poverty is, is about bondage. It's, a, it's the way of the world and it is of the enemy. We said that freedom is meeting needs. I've added, freedom is meeting needs. When you, you are free when your needs are met. Listen to what I'm saying. You are free. Freedom is having your needs met. It is of God and it is the way of the kingdom. God is all about meeting the basic needs of people. The need of salvation, that's a basic need for him. He's concerned about that. Freedom, that gives you freedom. I'm meeting your basic need, your need for salvation, your need for instruction. So you can be free from these thoughts, free from these appetites, free from this, from not having discipline, freedom from, from, all, from the bondages of, of, of what you think you need as far as re- regarding money. He's giving us instruction, 
for freedom. He's meeting that basic need. The need for deliverance. Deliverance from covetousness. He, he, he's, all about, he's all about meeting our needs. Our need for sufficiency. Our need for sufficiency. He needs you to be sufficient. And he supplies and he is able to keep us and do for us so that we can be sufficient. He is able to do that. And again, that's, sufficiency is having your basic needs met. That is what he's concerned about. Your basic needs met. We're the ones that's caught up in the luxuries of life. He's concerned that your basic needs are met. That's what he's concerned with. And so that's what we need to, we need to understand, that our basic needs, our basic needs is what he's concerned with. So, um, let's see. We, let's, let's, go, let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and you should already be there. I'm going to get there. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to read uh, the first few verses, and then we're going to stop and do something here. But godliness, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And so we talked about, uh, in verse 6, the wealth. We talked about wealth, having great gain. Contentment is an inner sufficiency. We said that contentment is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. Contentment is an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of our outward circumstances. Remember I said that God is concerned about our sufficiency. That inner sufficiency is contentment is inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of outward circumstances. So we talked about what inner sufficiency is. That it is found in our working definition of peace. It's found in our working definition of peace which is God is with me and I am with him. God is with me and I am with him. That is peace. And when you have that peace, you can have contentment. Contentment comes along with having that peace. Contentment comes along with having the peace of knowing that God is with me and I am with him. Because if you are, if you are confident that God is with you, it does not matter what, what financial situation you find yourself in. It won't matter. It won't matter. And then you know that you're at peace. You know that you're at peace. That if you have that inner sufficiency, that contentment, that God is with me and I am with him. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the circumstances are, I am with God and he is with me. That in itself will bring you peace. And that in itself will bring you contentment. That's basic. That's basic. That itself will bring you peace. So first of all, nothing will satisfy you. So we talked about this last week. That nothing will fully satisfy when you, when you use it to occupy the space that was only intended for God. We try to put in all of these things. We try to put in money. We try to put in men. We try to put in women. We try to put in jobs. We try to put in 
traveling, we tra- all of these things, all of these things. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying life and enjoying things. But when we try to use it to fulfill us, to satisfy us, use it to fulfill us and to satisfy us, you are treading on dangerous territory because you're using that to occupy a space that was only intended for God. God is the only one that can satisfy. He, that's what he desires. He desires. He says, when well, he told Paul, he says, my grace is sufficient. Meaning I am. My power in you. My power with you. It is sufficient. He wants you. He wants to be. He wants to be. He wants to be that thing that satisfies you. He wants you. He wants to be that thing that satisfies you. To satisfy you. That's what he wants. And when you try to occupy that space, when you try to occupy that space, because remember, things change in life. People come, people go. Things change. Jobs change. You get older, you can't work some jobs that you used to work. You travel, you know, things happen. Things happen. And there could be a time when you can't travel. Then what? If that's, if that's what you're using to satisfy you. Then what? That's why God, he is an unchanging God. Always is, always was, and always will be. The only true constant thing in your life. The only true constant thing in your, in your life. And that's why he alone needs to be your satisfaction. Your satisfaction needs to ride on him. Our satisfaction needs to ride on him because he is the only thing that is consistent and constant in our lives. The only thing. We said that godliness itself is great gain. With contentment. It says with contentment. But godliness itself is great gain. And godliness is reproducing his character, his image, out of a love and a reverence for him. That's what godliness is. Um, my godliness, it comes from me reproducing his character and his image out of my love for him. Out of my reverence for him. Because I love his laws. Because I, I love his character. Because I love his... So I want to reproduce that. That's godliness. Walking as God walks. In his character, in his thoughts, in his image. Godliness brings and provides peace. It brings and it provides peace. When you are occupied with walking with him, that will bring you peace. Because remember, peace, I am with him, he is with me. So when you're after him, constantly chasing after him, trying to walk, walk with him, walk in him. That godliness, it will bring you peace. Staying with him, and as he does, I will do. He will be with me. As I do what he desires for me, he will be with me. That is godliness, and that will bring you peace. That brings peace. So we said that where true godliness is, there will be contentment. Verse 7, for we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain that we cannot carry nothing out. So wealth is not lasting. We brought nothing here. So we came as they, we came naked, and we will enter naked. Yes, you might have a suit on, a, a, a skirt on, or something that somebody put on you, but you're not taking it with you. It's going to stay right there in that casket where it is. You're not taking it beyond that point. You're not taking it beyond that point. And then we talked about, uh, about verse 8. 
and having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. He says our basic needs are easily met. Those basic needs, remember, shelter, food, clothing, those are our basic needs. Those are our ba- And he says with those things, having food, having raiment, basically having those basic needs met, let us be therewith content. Let us be content with that. Let us be content with that. We said that some of us are so consumed with the luxuries that we have forgotten how to appreciate just having the necessities. Let that be your contentment. It's okay. Again, remember, we're teaching a balanced word. It's nothing wrong with being able to appreciate, nothing wrong with being able to experience luxuries. Nothing wrong with that at all. But without it, if you didn't have it, would you be content without it? Are you content without it? That's the balance in that. That is the balance in that. Some of us have a fear. So, so this part of this contentment. Some of us have a fear of our needs not being met. Some of us have a fear of our needs not being met. Some of us have a fear of just having to go without even for a short term. We have a fear of that. We have a fear of that. If I can't pay my light bill this month, if I can't pay my light bill this week and then it gets cut off, people have a fear of that. Forget about, forget about, I'll probably get paid next week. Forget about that. I can get the lights turned back on next week if that happens. But they have a fear. They have a fear. No, nobody wants to get their lights turned off. I'm just saying. They have a fear of their basic needs not being met. A fear of that. And we're going to help. We're going we're gonna to get some help tonight for that. Fear and faith cannot reside in the same place. Fear and faith, it cannot reside in the same place. Faith is an absolute belief. Faith is an absolute belief. An absolute belief that God is constantly working behind the scenes in every area of our life. Even when there's no tangible evidence to support that fact. My faith is God. I trust in God. I'm trusting Him. My faith is in Him. And what did I say? That He desires for your basic needs to be met. You have to be confident of that. You've got to be confident of that. That I trust in a God who believe, who's after, he is after my best interest. He does not want to, God does not want to see you go without. He wants to see your basic needs met. When I say go without, don't get it twisted. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about basic needs. God is not a God that desires to see anybody go without basic needs. He tells in scripture all the time, look out for the poor. We've got to provide for the poor. Why? Because he wants everyone's basic needs met. He desires that. And he works through people. He works through people to get basic needs met. So this is what we're talking about. A believer's faith is a confident assurance in a God who loves us 
who knows our thoughts and who cares about our deepest needs. We have to trust him. Trust in him. We have to trust that we either trust in him or we don't. You either trust him or you don't. Our deliverance from fear and worry. Because, because what, what is fear? Basically, fear is an anxiety of the unknown. Fear is, is an anxiety of the unknown. I fear not having my basic needs met because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure from day to day. I don't know from day to day. I have a fear. I don't have anything tangible. I have a fear because I don't know. If I had the money, I wouldn't have the fear because I know that I could pay it. But because I don't, I have fear. It's an anxiety there. Fear and anxiety cannot reside in the same place. So our deliverance from fear and worry, it's based on our faith. Deliverance from fear and worry is based on our faith, which is the opposite of unbelief. Faith is a gift. Remember that. That faith is a gift that can be maximized, that must be maximized. Our faith is a gift that must be maximized. And faithfulness is described as a fruit or, or, or characteristic. So faithfulness that is produced in our lives by the Holy Ghost. So Faith is a gift that must be met. God has given, none of us naturally, none of us naturally, naturally, none of us have faith on our own. Because why? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things we cannot see. So as humans, our nature don't allow us. Human nature does not allow you to trust in something that you cannot see. Something that you cannot hear. Something that you cannot touch. Something that you cannot taste. Our human nature does not allow us to believe it. That's why faith is a gift. That's why it's a gift. It's a gift from God. From the very beginning, faith is a gift from God. And it must be maximized. And we cannot, we hinder the work of the Holy Ghost. We hinder the work of of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that, that brings the gift of faith. Brought the gift of faith at the very beginning when you accept the salvation. You have to receive the gift in order to believe. You have to continue to receive the gift of faith. Continue to hold on to the gift of faith. To walk daily in his word. To continue to trust in him. In a God that you cannot see. Continue to trust in a word that you can read. But again... It's based on God who you have not seen. You have to have faith. Continued faith. Listen. God is understanding towards our weaknesses. Why he sent Jesus. Jesus is our high priest. Why? Because he can be touched with our infirmities. He understands fear. He understands our fear. He understands our anxiety. So God is understanding toward our weaknesses, but he requires us. He understands, but he requires us to go forward in faith. He understands your weakness, but he requires us to go forth in faith. And the Bible is clear that faith does not mature and strengthen without being tested. The Bible is clear. Situation after situation, circumstance after circumstance, it teaches. It teaches 
that faith, faith is strengthened and matured when it's tested, when it's tried. Because you won't know that you have faith unless it's tested and tried. Your faith is strengthened in that. So when we obey, so you go through a trial, you go through a test, and your obedience in that to God's word, it brings you out victorious. It brings you out victorious. And then it's a stepping stone to build on your faith. It's then a stepping stone to build on your faith. So from faith to faith, God gives us grace for grace. From faith to faith, God gives us grace for grace. He gives us grace to believe in him and his word, grace to live his word, grace when we obey his word, and the result of obeying is grace. He gives us grace to believe in him and his word, Grace to live his word. Grace when we obey his word. And the result of obeying is grace. Forgive me, I'm having a little trouble here. But we're going to get through this and God is faithful. So remember, when we hear the word preached or taught, we are expected to mix it with faith. To have it born in our lives. Fear and faith cannot stand together. Remember, we have, when we hear the word preached or taught, we are expected to mix it with faith, to have it born in our lives. Let's look at verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. But they that will be rich rich, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. So they that will, remember we said that, that means they set their affections. They set their affections on being rich. Their will, they set their will on that. Their affections on being rich. Doing anything in their power to get what they want, to get their money, to get whatever it is that they're after. They set their affections on that. But we know that riches can create bondages. They can create bondage that leads to additional lust and desires. Riches can create bondages that lead to additional lust that must be satisfied. Because once you get one thing, you're going to want something else, and that something else is going to cost more, it's going to be more, it's going to cost more. It's going to lead to, it will lead to more additional lust or desires. So when the enemy sees which way your lust will carry you, he will bait and he will hook accordingly. When he sees where your lust lies, the enemy, when he sees where your lust lies, he will bait and he will hook accordingly. So we have to remember that. Let's look at verse 17. Go to verse 17. Charge them. So, so what we need to see in First Timothy, and I love First Timothy because it, it's, it really covers the whole gamut. We talked about both ends of the, of the spectrum. Not having versus having. 
And this covers, this covers our financial management. It covers it all. Verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they may, that, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. That they may lay, a, lay hold on eternal life. So here we see the other end of the spectrum. Those that are rich in this world. See, remember the other, the other scripture, it says, they that will to be rich. But now we're talking about those who are. Charge them that are rich in this world, that they, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So here we see that you can enjoy what you have. God gives us all things to enjoy. Look, look, look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. That's what I want to show you. I'm trying to teach you. We're, we're, we're teaching a balanced word here. We're not teaching that, you know, you, you can't have and you can't do and you can't. We're not teaching that. That's not what we're teaching. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. It says, there is nothing better for man that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Those who labor should enjoy the fruits of their labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. It was from the hand of God. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God. God wants us to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Those who work must, can eat, should eat from their works. So having a savings account. So remember, again, we're teaching a balanced word. Remember I talked about hoarding and storing up? That's what I'm, talking about. I'm, I'm talking about beyond, I'm talking about beyond savings. Understand what I'm saying. Okay. You, are, you should have a savings account. You should. We should all have a savings account. But your savings account should also be subject to God. We're not talking about just hoarding up. I'm just hoarding up. I'm just, you know, and I got, I, I, it's stored up and it's here just in case I need it. But what if, what if God asks for a portion of that savings account for, for some reason, for some purpose? Can you? Give that up. Can you give it to him? Can you do with it what he is asking you to do with it? That's what we're talking about. You can take nice vacations. You should take nice vacations. You should. Enjoying luxuries, you can enjoy your luxuries. If you can afford them, if you can afford them. We're not, we're not talking about getting in bondage so that you can have luxuries. If you can afford luxuries, if you can afford luxuries, it's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But again, all of those things need to be subject to the word and the will of God. Can you give those things up? Are you okay with it? Are you okay with it? If he asks for it. 
Can you give it up? That's setting your affections on God. We're talking about loving God, loving Him more. We talked about that last week. Can do you love God more? Do you love God more than those luxuries? Do you love God more than that money you have stored up in your savings? Do you love God more than taking nights vacation? Do you love Him more? As long as you're doing what the will of God when it comes to your finances, all of those other things you can enjoy, but you've got to be doing the will of God first. You've got to be doing the will of God first. That's setting your affections on Him first. That's putting Him first. Loving the Lord your God with all. That's putting Him first. So, we don't forget about God in our savings and in our vacationing. We don't spend our tithes. We don't spend our offering, our assessment, our pastor's compensation. We, allow, we, we don't allow... allow Allow your money to be a financial resource to be subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're talking about. Allowing your money, your financial resources, to be subject to the leading of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 18. That they do good. That they be rich in good works, ready to distribute Willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come. Remember we talked about when we give into the kingdom, when we sow into the kingdom of God, we are laying up treasures for ourselves. We are laying up treasure for ourselves when we do that. And that's exactly what the scripture is saying. We have to trust God. Trust in him. I'm not going to go there, but Matthew chapter 25, it talks about the talent. It talks about uh, uh, the master who gave the, the talents and, and how they, uh, uh, some of them, you know, sold what they, they sold and, and, and they brought back more than what they had. But then this one, he went and put his in the ground. Put it in the ground. And he didn't want to pull it up and he didn't want, he didn't want to invest. He didn't want to do what he needed to do. Because again, so that, that goes back to that, that first part of, of 1 Timothy chapter 6 that we were talking about. Just have, I, this is all that I have I'm going to store because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I don't know. But when you put your trust in God, when you put your trust in God, trusting in Him, then you can invest, you can do investing in the kingdom of God. You can do all of that if you trust in God. And that's basically what that scripture in Matthew chapter 25 was talking about. It's about trusting in God. And you do what you got to do, trusting in God. So that, that we have to understand is that we need to be sure that we are trusting him with everything that we have. Committing to good works. Ready to distribute. This is a way of showing appreciation for and investing in your future and in eternal life. We must allow our financial resources to be subject to the leading, just as you should for every area of your life. Again, whether you have $5 or $50,000, it does not matter. We should allow our financial resources to be subject to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's look at verse... Remember I told you I was going to give you... how. How financial freedom, so we're seeking financial freedom. So realizing financial freedom by the ways of God's kingdom. That's how you will realize financial freedom, by the ways of God's kingdom. And that can be found here in 1 Timothy 6. Let's look at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, Love, patience, 
meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee from these things. Flee from what? Free from the love of money. The love of money. Free, flee from that which is coveted. And they err from the faith. So we need to flee from those things. Having your food and your raiment, be content. We need to flee from uncontentment. And he says, follow after, that's how we do it. You follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. We follow after those things. So when we follow after righteousness and godliness, listen, when we follow after righteousness and godliness from a principle of faith and love, so our faith and our love, it will cause us to follow after righteousness and godliness, then we have need to put on patience and meekness for those things and and you being content. You can put on patience and meekness. All of that will come with it. So in your following after righteousness and godliness from a principle of faith and love, we need to put on patience and meekness. This is all about realizing financial freedom. We flee from the love of the world and we pursue and follow the love of God. We flee from the love of the world and we pursue and follow the love of God. Of God. This is how you realize financial freedom. Verse 12, and we fight the good fight of faith. There will be opportunities, and we've talked about all of this before. There will be opportunities to seek after that which the world considers valuable. There will be plenty of opportunities to seek after those things that the world considers important. There will be plenty of opportunities, but we keep our eyes on the eternal and not the temporal. We keep our eyes. On the eternal and not the temporal. And and not the temporal. The profession and the confession of your faith commits you to doing so. When you profess God, when you confess God and profess God, your faith should commit you to keeping your eyes on the eternal and not the temporal. It It should move you. It should push you. It should push you towards that. The profession of your faith and the confession of your faith, it commits you, should commit you to doing so. When we obey the commandments, when we obey the commandments that lead to the manifestation of the principle of tithes and offerings, sowing and reaping, that's a part of how you can realize your financial freedom. Understand that the principle is already set. We're not, we're not giving, we're not, and I told you, sowing, and I say, I say that I sow into the kingdom of God, realizing I'm not getting money, I'm not talking about my financial resources, but when I sow into the kingdom of God, I understand that I'm getting a whole lot more in return. We've talked about that before. I'm getting a whole lot more on my return of, for, of my investment than a little money. That's not coming at all, but what I'm getting out of it is more than any and any financial gain that I could ever get. And that's what I set my heart on. It will come. It will come. The principle, God's principles work. They just work. They just work. 
So when we set our minds and our affections on doing his will, he's going to make sure that everything that we need, that our needs are met. Every need will be met. When you set your affection on doing things his way, he will make sure that every need is met. Remember what I said, needs. I didn't say your wants. I said your needs. He will make sure that you are that your basic needs are met because he is a God who meets needs. He's he's that God. He's a God who meets needs. So, we must love the word. We need to follow after righteousness, verse 611, realizing financial freedom. Follow after righteousness and godliness with through the principles of faith and love with patience and with meekness. Number two, realizing financial freedom. Fight the good fight of faith. Our trust, our reliance, our dependence on a God who can, who will, on a God who is able, on a God who loves us, on a God who cannot fail. We are going to fight the good fight of faith, understanding, trusting that in his word, in his word, if I do his word, do his will, then he's going to take care of me. Number, th- uh, number three, we're going to obey the commandments that lead to the manifestation of the principle of sow and reap. Our tithes and our offering. That's just, this is how you realize financial freedom. you got to obey the commandment. Remember what I said. He gives you grace to obey. When you obey, there's grace in that obedience. And the result of it, of your obedience, is grace. He gives you grace for grace. Grace forget grace. Grace on top of grace on top of grace. How wonderful is our God. He gives us grace on top of grace on top of grace. Grace to believe and trust in him. Grace to obey him. Grace when you obey him. And the result is grace. Grace to believe and trust in him. Grace to do his word. Grace when you obey his word and the result of it is grace. Remember what I said, that you will never be able to experience God's grace and we hinder God's grace when we do not obey. You are hindering your own. Remember what I said, that some of us, we think we're operating in grace when we're really operating in mercy. And thank God for his mercy. Thank God for it. But I would rather have both mercy and grace. I would rather. I would rather have grace. His mercy and his grace. And he gives us grace for grace. And he will do that. He's faithful to do that. When we sow into the kingdom of God, we're talking about our church and the things that he's doing as part of the kingdom when we sow into those things the place of our gathering for its maintenance its stability and the care for those who feed our local assembly of the upright of this local assembly our church body that's obeying his commandment that's obeying him he has asked he has required that we bring the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in his house and all of that is bringing meat, it's having meat in his house for the maintenance, for the stability, for the care of those in the ministry, for the care of those who feed us. That's having meat, being able to supply for this body, for this body of believers. That's obeying his commandment. 
The principles are already there. You take care of the house of God, he's going to take care of you. He's going to make sure your basic needs are met. He's going to make sure of that. We reap continuous and spiritual nourishment and instruction and guidance and wisdom and care and grace and mercy and a downpour from the windows of heaven beyond what we ourselves can even receive. And we've talked about that. We receive a continuous and a spiritual nourishment when you provide for the household of faith. That's your investment in the household of faith. You mix that. You mix your ability, because he said to do it, then you mix that with your faith and your trust and your belief in him. And then you will experience, remember I said, then you will have the, an experience what God has for you in your life. But you got to mix it with faith. You got to mix it with your trust in him. You got to mix it with your confidence in him. And then you will experience. You will never, if you hear a word, I don't care how much word you hear. I don't care how much word you hear. If you don't put your faith and tap on your faith to it, add your faith to it, you won't do it. And, you, and it will not manifest in your life. Because if you don't do it, it can't manifest in your life. So you have to mix faith with the word that you hear. You have to do that. And then when you do it and you do the word, then you are able to experience all that God desires for you to experience and to have. But you've got to do it. You've got to mix it with faith. Hear the word. Mix it with faith. Do it. Obey it. And watch God work in your life. We to use our resources to store up treasure in heaven. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. And let's look at verse 34. 25 and 34. And the scripture reads, Yes, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in? Are naked and clothed thee. Or when saw we thee, or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed. It's an everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. 
For I was hungered, and ye gave me not meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So we don't want to get caught up. We don't want to get caught up and God say to us, listen, listen. Yes, you had, yes, and you probably came to church every Sunday. And you did this, and you did that, and you sung in the choir, and you ushered, and you did this, and you did that. But when it came down to providing for the needs of my people, to providing for the needs of my people, you did it not. You did it not. I said, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse so they made me meet in my house, and you did it not. You had all of that stored up. I tried. You remember? You remember? I, I spoke to you clearly. In your heart, I spoke to you. When the word of God was going forth, I told you to do this. I told you to give this. I told you to do this. I told you to go and provide this for this person. I told you to do this. And you did it not. And that's how you lived your life. You did it not. You, would not, you do not want to stand before God and he say that to you. You don't want to stand before God and he has that to say about you. Use your resources to store up treasure in heaven as part of your heavenly bank account. That was number four. Be a cheerful giver. Remember, we're talking about realizing financial freedom. Realizing financial freedom. I gotta be a cheerful giver. Look at Second Corinthians chapter nine. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Let's look at verse seven. And the scripture reads Every man according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loveth a cheerful giver. So in all of this that I'm, that I'm saying, in all of this and what I just said a few minutes ago, we have to set our, because all of, all of this, remember when we first started talking about, that we have to love the Lord our God with all. And that's why I said every day we've got to push to love him more. Every day we've got to push to love him more. Lord, I have these things in my heart. I, I, I hear the word that's going forth. I have these things in my heart, but I'm pushing to love you more. So that I'm going to push to obey. We're not giving out of necessity because I just said you don't want the Lord to stand. And I I do mean that. But I'm, I'm saying you're not giving for that reason. We need to set our hearts and our affections on God. Set our hearts and our affections on God. That's the baseline of this teaching. That's the baseline. Set our hearts and our affection on God. Every man 
according as he purposed in his heart. You got the purpose in your heart. I got a purpose in my heart that I want to be a giver. This is realizing financial freedom. I got a purpose in my heart to be a cheerful giver. Lord, I want to give cheerfully. I want to be able to give freely without any bondage, without any bound, without any boundaries. I want to be able to give whatever it is that you desire of me and that you ask of me. I want to be able to give it. I want to do it. Remember, we're mixing this with faith, mixing what you're here with faith. Adding on everything else that we've already taught about it. Setting my heart and my affection on him. Loving the Lord my God with all of my heart, my soul, my strength. All of that. Loving my neighbor as myself. That goes along with it. And then I'm able to give. I'm able because I've set my heart and my affection on the things that God, that God desires. I'm setting my affections on what God desires. I'm setting my, my affections on and, and, being, and, and aligning myself aligning myself with him, with his character. What would he do? I'm aligning myself with that. My love and my reverence for him, I'm aligning myself. That's, I'm going to be at peace when I do that. I'm going to be content when I do that. And when I do that, I can be a cheerful giver. It all works together. I can be a cheerful giver when I do that. I don't mind using my resources to advance the kingdom of God, to help the kingdom of God. To support the kingdom of God. I don't mind doing that. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all things will be added. You see the principle. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness. Matthew chapter 6. Look at that. Matthew chapter 6. This is the principle in his word. It's a principle. And remember what we said. God is a God that he, he cannot lie. If it's in his word, it's a principle. You do it. It's going, it's, whatever he says is going to happen. It is going to have, it's just built in. It's built into his word. You obey it, whatever he says is supposed to happen, it's going to happen. But you've got to trust that. Faith and fear cannot mix. It does not mix. You've got to trust it. And you've got to believe it. Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What? Take therefore no thought for your morrow, for the morrow should take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil. Uh, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And what is he talking about? Go back up to verse thirty-one. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, what? He knows. He is a God who, who believes in meeting basic needs. He knows you have need of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be. It says it shall be. He says do it, and it shall be. Not maybe. He said do it, and it shall. Not I think it might. He says do it. And it shall be. Not maybe. He said do it and it shall be. What? Your basic needs. Verse 31. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith we shall be clothed. There it is right there. My basic needs are met. There it is. My basic 
needs are met. When I purpose to follow after God, his kingdom, and his ways, it's, it's already built. He's built it in. And his word does not lie. His word does not return to him void. It goes out. It was, it's in your hearing tonight. It's gone out. You do it. And it shall not return to him void. It's gone out. If you do it, it's not going to return void. His word is going to do exactly what it says that he will do. And you just saw it right there for yourself. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Number seven. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. That's in Proverbs chapter three. We're not going to go there. Proverbs chapter three. Acknowledge him in all of This is realizing financial freedom. When I acknowledge him in all of my ways, Lord, I have this. Lord, I want everything to be subject to you. Yes, I have this. I have this savings. I have this. I have that. I'm doing all this. I'm planning. I'm planning. And again, this is everything in life. I think I heard somebody say, maybe it was Pastor Hill. Somebody said it just recently. I planned it. I planned these things for my life. I put these things. I've gone to school for this. I've gone to school for that. I put all of these things in place. All of these things in place. But guess what? It's all subject to you. No matter what the plans I put in place, it's all subject to you. The same thing with my money. I've done my savings account. I put this away for this time. I put this away for my retirement. I've done all of that. I've done all of that. And again, I'm not saying that God is going to have you to take your, take your retirement. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that whatever I have, whatever I have, let it be subject to God. That's all I'm saying. Let it be subject to God. Acknowledge him in all of my ways and he will direct me. Listen, he will give you instruction and he will give you. When you are doing what you're asking of him, he will give you ways to get out of debt. I'm a living witness. He will give you ways. When you, when you say, Lord, this is what I want. I see this in your word. I'm going to put this in your word. And I do it. Started to do it. And I started asking God, okay, so now I'm doing this. I'm sowing here. I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing what you've asked me to do. I'm doing what you've asked me to do. Again, going back to what I said before. At some points, at some points, having 12 cents in the bank. That's real. But I started, this, this is, and again, this was early on. We started doing assessments. We started, this was early, early on. We st- I started doing all of those things. I started doing all of those things. And then God started giving me strategy. So, Lord, okay, so, Lord. So, then, but then I had a heart because I had a heart. Okay, so I have this coming. I have this coming. And I purpose, and I'm not saying this to, to brag. I'm not saying this for no purpose, but for what I'm saying it for. I purpose to give a little bit. I don't care. I don't care if it's five, ten dollars more. In, in pastor's compensation, I purpose to give a little bit more than what's required. That's me. I purpose to do that. I don't care how much it's said. I purpose to give a little bit more than that. But you know, and again, heart's desire. I was praying about those kinds of things. Put. Desiring to do those kinds of things. And I started asking God, Lord, okay, I need some strategies. Give me some strategies. Because in order for me to do this, what I want to do for you, I need to be released from this. And no, he's not doing no supernatural debt cancellation. 
No, he's not. He's not doing, he's not canceling any of my debt. I don't care what my heart is here. He's not canceling no debt. That's crazy. And it's a lie. But what he has done, he's given me strategies. He's given me strategies on how to get this done. He's given me strategies on how to release myself from this. All legal. Gotta say that. All legal. Gotta cut away some things. Quickest way. I, I don't know who said that. Somebody said it. The quick, uh, probably Pastor Hill. Uh, founding Pastor Hill. The quickest way to give yourself a raise is to cut off some of those luxuries. That's a quick raise. You want a quick raise? That's it. There it is right there. You will see a raise in your income. You will see a raise in your income if you cut off some of those luxuries. Automatic. And then, okay, so Lord, what else can I do? What else can I do? He will give you strength. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. And he will direct your path. He will direct you. Number eight, be content. We talked about it, so we're not going to go there because I'm out of time. Be content in whatever state you are in. And number nine, just to reiterate, set your affections on things above. Set your affections on things above. Amen? God is faithful. That's realizing. That's how you can realize your financial freedom. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.